0: Good morning. Yes, I'm down here. I'm looking for something. Y'all should be scared after I put out a Coke 45 the other day. I still had not recovered from that. Well, this is a little safer. How's that? Coke, you're like, oh no, is the pastor caffeinated? Not yet, but if I start hitting on this, y'all in trouble because we only had one service today, so I got lots of octane in me. You know what I'm saying? But Don, I hadn't had any yet, baby. Not yet. I've been thinking about it, but I hadn't yet. You're saying, why has a man got a bottle of Coca-Cola? Well, very simple. It's kind of my opening illustration today, but I want to ask you something. I want to do a survey. How many people in this room prefer and you drink Pepsi? Raise your hand. Uh, Hold them high. Act like you're proud. Yeah, about 13 of you. Okay. Now, if your preferred drink is a Coca-Cola product, Coke, raise your hand. Hmm. All right, let's try to convert our Pepsi drinkers right now. Can we do that? Well, I told you you that for a reason. I prefer Coke, too. I never will forget. We were on a choir tour one time in Washington, D.C., and there's this big prominent, he's a big eye surgeon today. But we sent him down because we were doing these big uh, choir outreaches, and we were singing. We were on the nation's capital steps, and we had this musical, call, musical called Army of the Lord. And they were green T-shirts. They were the nastiest T-shirts I've ever seen. In a hundred and ten degree heat, they were really nasty. Like you know, at night you just like, whoa, put that thing outside the window. It stinks. And we sent this guy down. and Said, "Hey, why don't you go down to the laundromat and get them washed, and we'll have them clean for the next performance." And never will forget. He walked into a. Uh, he walked into this. Uh, laundromat and wanted to get some change. Hey, Walter, I said, hey, uh, I want to know if I get some, I, I need some Coke. I just want to know if I can have some Coke. And that guy said, sure. He lifted up the cash box and he pulled a bag of Coke out and gave it to him. He said, no, 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 no. I just wanted money for a Coke. I, a Coke. Coca-Cola, Bubba. So, you know, I never tell you for granted when I say Coke. And when you said Coke, you were talking about this Coke. I know what you're saying, right? Okay. Well, here's my illustration. Coca-Cola has an amazing reputation I think around 1886, a guy named John Pemberton over in Atlanta, Georgia, came up with a formula for Coca-Cola. He first introduced it into the pharmacy there in Atlanta, which is their corporate headquarters, and Coca-Cola has become very famous, I'd say. Matter of fact, if you really think about it, if you read the ingredients on this thing, you know, it's really 14 teaspoons of sugar. It's sugar water, you know? And how many times we drink these, and we drink them to caffeinate us, to give us kind of a buzz, to kind of pick us up. But you know what's amazing about this? 97% of the world has heard about Coca-Cola. 97%. I mean, and when they set out, they said, we want the whole world to know. We want the whole world to drink. And then as I was reading the statement, it says that 72%, 97 have heard, 72% have actually seen the product, and 51% have actually had a drink of Coca-Cola. But you know what else I've learned? 1.6, 1.7 billion people on the planet this morning have never heard about Jesus Christ. So it tells me that we still gotta propagate, we still gotta proclaim, we gotta get the good news out that Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord and all-reigning, conquering King, and coming again for the church. Amen. Amen. And you're saying, Well, man, we live in the Bible bell. Believe it or not, every once in a while. You still find people that don't really know. Now I find all kinds of people that are religious. There's a real religious belt, spirit that runs through the Bible Belt. A lot of people, everybody, I got religion. I live next door to the pastor. My granddaddy was a pastor. My grandmama, she was a deaconess. At the da da da. da. I don't care. Do you have Jesus Christ? But you see, Coca-Cola, they figured out that their product they thought was so valuable, they wanted the whole world to know that Coca-Cola was supreme. But y'all, we've got to declare, and I was thinking about this week about, what do we want to start off 2010 with? I think about the excellent name of Jesus Christ and how awesome he is. So I've titled today's message, Relentless. I love that word. Just are we going to have a focus? Because this whole four-week series is about having focus, and today it's about being relentless. And then there's another word I'm going to add as we go into it. But I just asked you this morning, just a simple question. Are you relentless? Are you relentless? Or are you known as a relentless person? Do, do people say that about you? And you say, well, what is relentless? Well, I'm glad you asked because I want you to look there. It's being steady and persistent. Steady and persistent. It goes on to say this, immovable, ceaseless, constant, eternal, incessant, uninterrupted. You're just going on. And right now I know some of you are going, well, Pastor, you usually do some cute little fill-in-the-blanks and you make it easy. Where are we supposed to write this? I have no clue. Just give me a break, okay? I just gave you some scriptures so I want you to walk away with God's word. But just get creative today because this message has some passion. And I believe that this word today that I'm going to give you is going to change your life. How many of you believe today's word has the power to change your life? I believe that with all my heart. And there's so much in me now, I'm probably going to preach to one. Then we're going to go out and break ground and have chicken. Not really. We, we don't have any chicken. I, I, I lied, okay? But we got to get the news of the gospel out, okay? Because, you know, if you call Christ Community Church and you get put on hold, you'll hear some music. But sometimes when you call and you have this recording, you have this voice, and it's Chrissy's voice. She has a great voice. She's our nursery director. And it says, fulfilling the great commission in Montgomery and the world. You see, we're a world-class church. We believe the gospel exists, that it could go, that every nation, every tribe, every tongue has the opportunity to hear and receive and respond to the gospel of grace. We also believe that we need to proclaim the gospel here in Montgomery, Alabama. But let's move on to this because if you'll open your Bibles, I said, go to the book of Acts. Turn over to Acts with me this morning. I love this passage. I, I love this book. I mean... You know, I just decided, man, I'm, I'm just going to meditate on it again. I mean, I read it, and I read it, and i like, God, I've got to read it again. Like I've been reading the Gospels all the Christmas season, because that's what preachers do, and we're trying to find an angle of how to get you to Christmas and get the perspective of what Christmas is. But I want us to look in this first Sunday of the new year all about the book of Acts. Now, the heartbeat of God has always been and always will be to reach people. You know, the message of Christmas, Christ came into the world he became flesh and lived in the neighborhood for a while. He dwelt among us. And then for 33 years, he lived as perfect pure life and then we crucified him and buried him and gloriously God raised him on the third day but I got to go back to this because Acts all talks about that resurrection of Jesus Christ but here's what I want you to see when we look here there's some passages that are just going to jump off the page to you from Acts 1 because Jesus is speaking to the follower here and you've heard me say many times we are Christ followers can you say that with me Christ followers I love that term Now, I know they use the Christian phrase, term first at Antioch, and they call them Christians, and Christians mean we are like Christ. But the thing is, when you live in the Bible Belt of Montgomery, Alabama, and everybody has some kind of Christian jargon, and they're religious, and they say this, I like when I say, I'm a Christ follower, because that means I'm lining my life up. I'm following after someone, and that someone is the person, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the church said, Amen. We follow Christ. And when you say, man, I'm a Christ follower, I I read a lot of blogs, and when I look on there, people now talk about, I'm a Christ follower. It just has a a new connotation. I I guess in 10 or 15 years, people will, will zap that out, and it might not have the passion that it does today, but I still believe it's the best word. But here, the third person of the Trinity, he comes alive in a powerful way. There's the Father, there's the Son, and there's the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. Now, he has always been, he is eternal he has existed with god from the beginning but here in the book of acts oh wake up now the holy spirit he didn't just come on people he didn't just come for specific purposes and on certain people he didn't just come he comes to dwell in the heart of every person that receives jesus christ the bible says that the holy spirit marks you deposits in you guarantees you against that day that's a reason to give god praise church you have the Holy Spirit. Now, some of you are like, well, I ain't got much of it, man. If, you, if you've seen me lately, I've been living like a goat. I know your wife's been calling me, okay? But divine power comes upon a person. He comes to indwell in the body, in the temple of God, in our hearts. God says, I want to come and live. It's like I looked at this thing, and it says the sun has 126 trillion horsepower. How many of you would like to ride in that buggy? Woo-hoo! I mean, man, it snatched your head back so quick. I remember my brother-in-law; he was in Vietnam, and he had this car back in the '60s that was so cool. Or I, I guess it was about I, when was it? Was '70s something like that? Anyway, whenever Vietnam was, and uh, he had a uh, he had a he had a GTO. And did you ever remember those muscle car GTOs? And man, that thing had some good-looking racing slicks, and it had you know it had a stick shift. And I was like, whoa, look at that thing, man! And I said, Dale. Do you want, your, you want your boy here? You want your brother to take care of it while you're in Vietnam? He said, No, leave it alone. I watched the tires dry rot. I thought about punching them out because he wouldn't let me drive it. But I remember one day before we went to Vietnam, he says, Hey, let's take a ride. I said, Oh, I got in that car with him, man, and he punched it, and my head went flying back in the back seat. Now I don't know how many horsepower that GTO had. But God's Son, I don't know how they measure this stuff, who knows, but I'm not going to argue with them, 126 trillion horsepower, that's just the sun. But the one that made the universe, the one that made the sun, the one that made the galaxies, the one that raised the dead to life, he lives in you. woo You're like, oh, okay. And I don't understand that some of you walk around like this. Now, if you're old, you got an excuse. But if you ain't old, what is it? You need to get jacked up for Jesus. Amen? Y'all, I think this place ought to be filled up every time we gather in Jesus' name. We go, man, we got the God of the universe that's come to live in us. And the book of Acts begins to declare that. Man, I've I got so many passages. Maybe we'll get there. Maybe we won't. But, you know, here's how some of you are living. You're living just like this, man. This is like an old crazy. You know what? I've had so many of these lately. I had to take down all the Christmas lights over the past week. We finished yesterday. And I, yeah, okay. You know what? And you, you know, you, you got this thing, but this thing ain't never been plugged up. You've never plugged into the Holy Spirit. You've never plugged into the power of God. Somehow you're trying to walk out this Christian life. You're trying to be a Christ follower without truly abiding. I'm going to talk about abide in a couple of weeks because that's my new word for 2010, but that's a message for another day. But you're not plugged into the source, the 126 trillion horsepower. I'm just wondering what the Holy Spirit wants to give you today. See, today I'm going to ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to ask him. I'm going to ask you to cry out in earnest, sincere prayer and say, Holy Spirit, I need more of you. I got to have it because I'm not doing it on my own. Let's look at Colossians 1.11. I think it's going to come up on the screen for you. Look at Colossians 1.11. There it is. Being strengthened with all power, that's an all tree in power, according to his glorious might, so that you might have great endurance and patience and joyfully. Being strengthened with the power of God. He comes to take residence in those that love him. He comes to take residence in those that will obey him. He comes to take a residence in those that will cry out in genuine repentance and say, Holy Spirit, come and fill me. And we're talking about focus today. And I'm praying, God, give us some relentless focus. Give us some relentless passion. Let's look at Zechariah 4, 6. So he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. That's a case say that fast, can you? Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. It's God's spirit that comes to indwell the heart of man. And when that spirit indwells, we have the power of God. That same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives on the inside of us. You know, I, I, I've contemplated this for 32 years. In a, few, in a few weeks, I'll be 32 in Jesus. I know I don't look like I'm 32, do it, But I'm 32 in Jesus, plus a few uh, physical years. Don't say anything. But, it, but as we look at it, I'm just thinking, Lord Jesus, you give that power today. You want to come. But, you know, some of you are powerless. You don't step out and do anything. So let me, this is one of my words today. Write down a message or something say, God, where do you want me to step out this year? Where do you want me to follow you, Jesus? And you're saying, well, I can't step out because I'm feeble. I don't have gifts. You do if you're in Christ. Hey, I feel powerless. Who's rendered you powerless? The devil himself? God says you're powerful, you're fearfully, you're wonderfully made. And here in the book of Acts, the individuals, they get the Holy Spirit. And what else is beautiful? We see the corporate, the collective church, the body of Christ. And when the church gets the Holy Spirit, wow, they talk about temple. They talk about the power of God coming to resonate in the heart of man. And this same God that came upon Elijah, that came upon Moses, that came upon David, that came upon the patriarchs, this same God, this Holy Spirit that just doesn't come upon us, he comes to dwell, to live in us this morning. Over in the book of 1 Samuel, one of the stories that I've always loved is the story about David. And David is out there and he's tending sheep as we know, and he has older brothers and they're in the army of Israel. And there's this Philistine, and he's full of himself. And we've talked about Goliath many times, and he's a nine-foot giant, and he's all about himself, and he, and he taunts the armies of the living God. And in those days, they would just take one representative versus one representative. And when you're nine foot, guess who got to be the representative? He was the representative for them. So he would come out for the Philistines, and then they would want to send out somebody for the army of God. And most of them would just scatter because when Goliath came out, man, they went to run, and they packed up and tail. They were like, man, we're scared. And David went out one day, I don't know if he was taking lunch to his brothers or whatever, but he went down and did what his daddy told him to do. And he heard this defiant giant run in his mouth. And boy, he had an attitude. And when he came out and he began to talk and he began to speak and he began to say things, all the guys just got up and ran. And David knew that it just wasn't right. And David, listen, David didn't see the kid that was in him. He fixed his eyes on the God of heaven, the God that created him. He didn't think, hey, I'm just a little feeble, little ruddy shepherd boy. He says, I serve the, the God of heaven, and you're not going to defy my God. And we know the rest of the story. Go over and read it in 1 Samuel later. But God shows me right there about power. And I want you to write this down somewhere in your margin. I'm sorry I didn't leave your room. That's not like me, but I, I don't know what happened. But here it is. Write down. Focus equals perspective. When we focus on the Lord God, we have perspective. When you and I get perspective in life, we can face any situation, difficult circumstances. But when we lose perspective, we're defeated. David, he had perspective in his God. His brothers and all those other guys in Israel. But what what did he say? He says, this battle is the lords he knew he was in control and his confidence wasn't in his ability but his confidence was in his power the power of god and here's what i think he says he acknowledged the lord god and then he appropriated the power that god had for him that's a great word for you if we acknowledge the holy spirit and we ask him to fill our lives and then we begin to appropriate his power see here's what i want to challenge some of you to chuck Kiefer has been working with a passion about getting people to mexico Several years ago, I took Chuck to Mexico. I did not know it was going to be terminal. Since then, Chuck has returned to Mexico over and over. We built five homes in Ensenada. And Chuck said, no, nah, I want a new focus. And this year, they're going to another place in Mexico. And Chuck is passionate about leading our people. Already, before this morning, 15 people have committed. There's room for 15 more. Then let me challenge you. Let me mess you up right now. Right now, in the new year, many of you are supposed to go to Mexico with Chuck and with the team. But you've been going. Well, I don't have the money. I'm a little fearful. What are we going to eat? I don't know. Mark's going to be the cook. Call him. Hey, what? I put you on the spot, didn't I? Hey, what are we going to Where are we going to sleep? Oh, it'll be uncomfortable. Hey, mission trips ain't never about being comfortable. But let me promise you one thing. You go on one mission trip, God will change your life. And anybody that's been said, amen. amen. Is that right, Rick Long? We had a pastor back here from Orange Beach. Rick, you know about mission trips, don't you? They'll change your life. It's better than 52 weeks of Sunday school. It's better than 52 weeks of small group. It's awesome. You need to go. Boom. I just kicked some of you. And some of you are like, see, I know what's happened today. The Spirit of God, he's fired me up for this message. He's speaking to you. And you go, he's talking to me. And you're going to go home and pout about it all day and have a bad afternoon. Just go ahead and surrender. Some of you are supposed to go on this trip. And I hope you'll see Chuck today and say, Chuck, I want to be there. But, you know, I heard this story about the lumberjack. This lumberjack, he had his old saw, handsaw, and he'd go out and he'd cut wood and cut wood and the blade got really dull and he couldn't sharpen it anymore. So he went to the store and says, man, this saw's killing me. He said, I, I got to have something new, man. He said, hey, I got something just for you. You want to cut more wood? I got it. He took him over and said, hey, here's a chainsaw. I want you to take this chainsaw, and you can cut more wood than you've ever dreamed of. He said, that's great. He went out, and he worked, and he worked, he worked, and he worked some more. He finished, man. He was getting farther and farther behind. He's like, man, this ain't working. He finally said, man, that guy told me I could cut more wood. So he took it back to the store. He goes, man, I don't get it. He said, I went out there, and I'm cutting less wood than I've ever cut in my life. He said, no, it, it can't be. He said, well, hey, let me see that chainsaw. He went up to the truck, and he brought it in. He says, look at it. <laughs> what's that he had never turned the chainsaw on he out been there kicking it some of you have never plugged into the power of the holy spirit you're like oh that's why i'm getting kicked all the time that's why i'm defeated that's why i'm not declaring the excellent name of jesus christ some of you are like is somebody really that dumb i've met some people really that dumb okay but in acts here he says he's gonna give a promise And the promise is the Holy Spirit. And in Acts 1-4, look down there with me. What does he say there in Acts 1-4? On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. There's a word, circle it. Wait for the gift my Father promised for, for which you have heard me speak about. So they were waiting on the gift of the Holy Spirit. they have been baptized with water, but he says, now I want to baptize you with the Spirit. And he says, wait on the Spirit. Tap into his authority. And then let's look down here at uh, verse 5. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together in verse 6, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They're always asking a question they shouldn't be asking. And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates. The Father has set by his own authority. But here it is, verse 8. We love this verse. But you will receive what? You will receive what? Come on, say like you a minute. You will receive... Power when the Holy Spirit comes in you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, even Mexico. And God says, I'm just putting that plug in here. Hey, you're going to be my witness. And that's what I want to talk about, being a relentless witness for Jesus Christ this year. You're saying, man, I'm a witness in my business. I'm a witness for marriage. I'm a witness for my kids. I'm a witness to my school. Hey, in the last several days, we've been declaring our loyalties and I've been wearing my wear. I wore all my Auburn wear. Can you believe we had to win that game three times the other day? <laughs> three times. And they finally won. And last night, I'm on, I'm texting my, 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 friend and elder Mark and he, and you know what? Here's the last one he did. Woohoo! Suey! He's a serious Razorback fan. And man, they won their game last night. And yeah, we, we'll go ahead and give you Florida fans, man, my goodness, y'all were just phenomenal and Florida won and now Bama's getting ready for the national championship and everybody's happy and everybody, whoo, and everybody's putting their colors on and we're all walking around. You say, so I've been wearing my colors for the day and I'm gonna have my Troy stuff on this week so we can win our bowl and, you know, you just get all excited. But what about Jesus? How about declaring his loyalty every day of your life and being relentless? I mean, I go walking through a Walmart, you know, that's a spiritual place to go, and you walk through there and people, they all got their colors on, and I'm amazed because I forget I wear Auburn or Troy stuff everywhere I go, and I got my stuff on. like, War Eagle, bro, I ain't never seen them. Oh, I forgot. Got my hat on. Got my shirt on. Got my belt buckle on. Got something, you know. And they're all, they're all about War Eagle, War Eagle, you know. And I'm like, oh, War Eagle, dude. You know, like, I don't even like you. You know, whatever. <laughs> no, I, I do like them. Most people, but but the thing is here. How about Jesus? And we go, man. Jesus Christ, he's Lord. Hey, we worship him. Hey, I want to tell you about Christ. I mean, I'm not asking you to get a megaphone, go out to Walmart and yell. they would probably put you in jail for that. It'd be a little weird. But cap into this mighty power of God. This power is available, man. In Acts, I read it and I go, God, we bear the marks of Jesus. The continuation of the mission of Jesus Christ is for you and me. And it's to bring honor to God. Right in this passage, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10 and 11. His intent was that now through the church, that's us, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. We are the collective manifold witness of Jesus Christ. We are. To be relentless in our witness. And then I think about the great passage over in Philippians. Listen to this. Now that I've already obta- Not that I've already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. Hear this. Forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Philippians 3, 12 and 14 through 14. And God says, I forget that which is behind. Let me give you all a word real quick. Some of you right now, listen to me. It's a brand new year. You blew it. You, I won't say screwed up, but I, I, I said it. Okay, All right. you, you really messed up in 2009. You were sinful. You were wicked. Forget it and press on to know Jesus Christ in this new year. Amen? Here's was like, well, you know, if you knew what I did last year, I did know what you did and I didn't tell anybody. Now, live for Christ. And maybe nobody does know. But let me just beg you, friend, by the mercies of God, will you press in to know Jesus Christ and His Redeemer and friend and Savior and make him known this year? I love New Year's. Everybody's always like, man, what's your resolution? What's your resolution? I don't know. I'm not really worried about your resolution. What I'm really concerned about is are you going to live for Christ in a relentless manner this year? You're going to forget that which is behind, that sin that besets you, that sin that hindered you, that sin that captivated you, that sin of addiction. And I don't know what your addiction issues are, and they are many in this place because I deal with that every week as pastor of this church. But my prayer is, would you break free in Jesus Christ this year? Lord Jesus, the power that raised you from the dead, pastor says, but the word says, it lives in me. I want to tap into that power every day. And as I tap into the living resurrection power of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, wow, I can overcome any sin. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe you can overcome any sin? I believe we can. But what are you relentless about? You know, I said, well, you know, I'm relentless about this. I'm relentless about that. That's good. But what about spiritually? Are you pressing in to know Christ and to advance your faith? Write that somewhere in the handout. Just advance in your faith, even though you're discouraged, even though things are difficult, even though things are not maybe going your way this morning. Lord Jesus, by your mighty strength, I will advance. The Apostle Paul, one of my favorite books is the book of Philippians. I've preached on this. I've taught on this. I love it. It's called the book of joy. The Apostle Paul spent a number of years in prison and, and in chain to a prisoner for the cause of Christ. He wrote at least a third of the new testament while he was there in prison so it was pretty cool he was he suffered under a great roman emperor his name was nero and he was the great tyrant of rome and he was the one let me tell you what a wicked guy he was he he like murdered his wife he had his own mom killed he poisoned his children i mean man this guy's a scumbag can we just go ahead and say that in church i mean he he ain't the guy I'm very big on. I mean, if he came to Christ, I'd love him. But but the bottom line, is he was persecuting. He was torturing. Then he even set Rome on fire, and he blamed it on the Christians. I mean, this guy was full of himself. But Paul here, he still faithfully serves Christ. And then the Bible says as he's going to face him, he makes this uh, trip across the aisle across the water as he He ends up shipwrecked over at Malta and he gets out and he begins to talk about Christ. And what happens? He's having a bad day. A snake bites him, a poisonous snake. But you know what Paul, all through his letter, He's always talking about joy and he's always talking about his confidence in Christ and about making Christ known despite how bad life was. And I don't know about you, but I haven't been bit by a snake. I haven't been shipwrecked. I haven't been chained to a prison guard. And in those days, they got a different prison guard every single four hours. But let me tell you what I learned in history about the prison guards. These prison guards... They were people, they were kind of the elite people if you made it to the prison to take care of a prisoner, kind of like a white collar guy like him. And what you did, it was kind of like our secret service people. And these people rose into prestigious, powerful positions. So here's what I believe happened. God knew that. God used the apostle Paul as he was chained to somebody different every four hours. Guess what Paul proclaimed? Jesus Christ is the Lord of his life. And I'm just asking us, we don't have those kind of dismal situations. But in our lives, do we relentlessly proclaim Christ despite where we find ourselves? So today I was asking God, God, in this service, can we here here's the truth can we get a, a message greater than ourselves? Lord, can we have a perspective so much greater than who we are? And that's the message of Acts. That's the message of grace. The Lord God loves you, the Lord God has come near. The Lord God wants to now come, as he talks about it in Acts, there, and he wants to make you a mighty witness. Twenty-nine times there, you see the word witness as a noun or a verb in the book of Acts. And in one section in the Greek, there's the word martyros, and from that we get the word martyr. And we know martyrs are those that die for the gospel, those that die for Jesus Christ. And are we willing to be martyrs? But are we willing to just live for Jesus Christ? And we say, Lord, relentlessly, I'm going to make you known. I want to receive your power even today, Lord God. That drenching, baptizing, overflowing, enveloping power, I want it to come in my life. Because listen to what First 1 John 1, 1-2 says. That which from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we've seen it, we testify to it, we proclaim to it the eternal life which was with the Father and has now appeared to us. What we know from Scripture is God has given you and I power to be a mighty witness. We are His witness. Now you might be a poor witness, but you're His witness if you're in Christ. And there's no need to be a poor witness, be mighty have that transforming power. Let's look here at a couple of verses on the screens. They're going to come up just about the witnesses. Go ahead and give me this first one here from uh, Acts 2.32. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are what? All witnesses of the fact. That was true for them. It's true for us. Let's look at the next one there, Acts 3.15. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses of this very fact. Acts 5.32. We're witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey Him. God has called you and I to be His witness. You know what I'm burning with today is just that God somehow help us as a faith family to burn with a passion like we've never had that we want people to know about Jesus. I've told you so many times, but it's worth repeating. A 19-year-old freshman, I gave my heart to Jesus Christ and I purposed in my heart that night to never be the same. And I haven't been And I began telling people about Jesus. I didn't know that God would call me into the ministry and he called me to be a pastor. But here's what I want to encourage you to do. Together, we can be so much more as we make Jesus Christ known. Because you have opportunities and you have influences and you have influences that nobody else has. And as we all collectively work together and we talk about Christ and what Christ is doing in our life and we testify to that which he has done for us. See, you can't argue with a testimony. All through life, I always have people, they want to argue about that. They want to argue, and they want to debate, and they want to debate this. You can't argue with a changed life, can you, church? A changed life is a changed life, and that's what Christ comes to give us here. And are we contagious, and are we believing? Lord Jesus, open our eyes. The harvest is plentiful, said Jesus. But he said the workers are few. Many people aren't going to participate in the great work. When we built this campus, we had a slogan Building for the harvest. And yes, I've seen a lot of souls harvested in the 10 and a half years on this campus. And now we have a new slogan Beyond These Walls. And here's the only way it's going to happen you and me together are going to proclaim and witness to the fact that Jesus Christ has changed us and He's the hope of the world. And as we talk about Jesus and live for Jesus Christ, others are going to see, and I believe many are going to be one. How many of you believe that with all your heart? And it happens when we do it together. And I ask us, Lord, send a fire, send the power of the Holy Spirit on us, God. In Acts 2, 1, it's the day of Pentecost, and here it is, this great violent hurricane wind happens, and the Holy Spirit comes in, and he sweeps through the house, and, and they have these languages, and man, they speak languages they didn't know, and God just does an amazing thing. The thing is, you can't fake the power of the Holy Spirit, and God comes in force. And then, look here with me, I, I want to show you, look down at Acts 2, Um uh, 14 and then peter stood up with the 11 he raised his voice (laughs) i I do that a lot i know it's biblical and he addressed the crowd fellow jews and all of you who live in jerusalem let me explain this to you listen carefully to what i say these men are not drunk as you suppose it's only nine in the morning no this is what was spoken by the prophet joel in the last days and we're in the last days God says, I will pour out my spirit on my people and your sons and daughters will prophesy and the young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. And even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Do y'all believe that God wants to pour out his spirit on this body of faith? Do you believe that church? That is the power of the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit. So this morning, that's just where I'm at right now. Holy Spirit, come in power and touch your church. Adam, I want you to do this quickly. If you'll come to the piano, we're going to change it up here a little bit. And there's a song that I just sing sometimes in my quiet times. And it's a good thing because I don't sing very well. And this song has an anointing. It has power. And I'm just going to ask us to do it together. But I pray it'll be our prayer. And we're going to open this altar because I think some of you just need to come flooding for this altar right now as we begin the first Sunday of 2010. And after this, we'll have, I'll come back and I'll talk about groundbreaking. But just in the next four or five minutes, or the words are going to come up on, this, on the screen, they will. We'll sing this. But y'all, can I just invite you to come and ask the Holy Spirit to come and fill this place and fill your life and empower you. Go ahead, Brother Adam. The
1: Holy Spirit reigns. And friend, how we need your touch again. As we stand on your word power fall, let your voice be heard, come and change our hearts as we stand on your word, Holy Spirit. know what God has in store. So open up heaven, open it wide, over your church and over our life. Let's all sing it together. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, rain down, rain down. And my best friend How we need your touch again Holy Spirit, rain down Rain down Let your power fall Let your voice be heard, come and change our hearts as we stand on your word, Holy Spirit.
0: got a little note at the altar from a sister in Christ that began this work with us in 1996 and uh, well just a word of affirmation and said how they love their church but a witness is someone that has seen something you cannot profess what you do not possess something I talked about almost 14 years ago I'm going to ask you to do something I remember doing this one time at AUM it's time to do it again I want you to put your hands out in front of you. Put your hands out, everybody. You're saying, I'm not charismatic. I didn't know if you're charismatic, you're evangelical, you're orthodox. Just put your hands out in front of you. It won't be anything weird. Just repeat after me if this is the prayer of your heart. Lord Jesus, I come. And I open my heart and my hands. And I want to receive more of you. I want more of you, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, come and fill my life with new depth and new power. Make me different. Give me the power of heaven and may my life have a new witness. I receive your filling now, Holy Spirit. And I will walk from this place uprightly and declare in a relentless way that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God forever and ever. Amen. Let's put our hands together and thank God. That's our prayer of declaration. Now here's what we're going to do. That was my long prayer. Okay. I want you to get your kids, okay? (laughs) Because I don't want you to walk outside. Oops, we forgot them. So... I'm fixing to ask you to go quick, hold on, not yet, I'm going to ask you to go quickly and get your little children and bundle them up, and then we're going to go out these doors, and we're going to go out there, and we're going to have groundbreaking, we're going to dig a little sand, and we're going to have kids and adults and take a few photos, and we're going to pray, and then groundbreaking is going to be over, and in the morning, this place is going to get demolished, not this place, but out there, they're going to just start tearing up stuff, and let me just go ahead and tell you, don't be in a hurry to go. Because we've got a major traffic jam that we planned on purpose. You can't go out the way that you usually go out. So it's going to be like NASCAR. So don't be in a hurry. Just go Let's just go pray to Jesus. And we're going to go out there and we're going to dedicate the ground and the building that's going to start. And we need to dedicate it because we don't want anybody to mess it up. And then you can leave and be free. Happy New Year. Hey, go get your kids and I'll meet you outside in five minutes.